It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Welcome to Quantum number 225. We are going to look at the economy. I was actually going to call this the economy stupid. It's the economy stupid. But I've decided to call it the economy and narratives of virtue because of a couple of astonishing articles I've read. Now, in case you're new, Quantum is a podcast that looks at news and views and culture from a Christian perspective, but open to all. And speaking of all, thank you so much for those who've got in touch with me and those of you in Australia who I meet um, and you come up to me and you say you listen to this, really appreciated. But uh, as I say, we're going to look at, when you say you talk about the economy, people think, ah, nah, it's not that important. But it is very important from a Christian perspective. Not least, uh, well, I, I'll explain why in a moment. But before we do that, I've been going through the top 10 songs that make you happy after an article which was written about this, saying they were scientifically proven. Well, these are my scientifically proven ones. And this one just makes me smile. And please go to the website and you will get the video for this or just Google it on YouTube or something. Um, is it YouTube it on YouTube? This is a status quo at the last night of the problems. Just enjoy a bit of this. Whatever you want. Now, to describe that to you, it, it starts with the Star Wars theme with the from the orchestra. Then it breaks into the guitars of status quo. Uh, you know, there are three chords or whatever it is. And then you just have this enormous fun with the uh, orchestra. You see them really, really in just enjoying it. The violinist head bopping and the trumpeters and everything else. Just, it's just it's, It was just great fun. It was wonderful. Okay, before we get on to the main subject, I want to consider this in terms of how we report news. And um, there's a sense in which what I'm doing here is reporting news, and I am trying to be as balanced as far as I can, but it is good for you to check different sources, and of course I will get things wrong. But there was a, an incident that occurred this week that showed just how dangerous the current media climate has become. So there was an attack on Poland, at least that's what we were told, and on social media, as, but as the mainstream media as well. 
it was reported in an alarming way. So, for example, the Mirror in the UK had the headline, Russia bombs Poland. So did the Telegraph. Russian missiles strike Poland. The Times claimed the Russians are to blame for this fatal strike on Poland that killed two people. No questioning, no doubts, no caveats. I follow a guy on uh, Twitter, a lawyer here called Gray Connolly. He's very, very good. And he immediately said, whoa, 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 whoa. Take your time. There is such a thing as the fog of war. Find out. Now, if, why this is important is, if Russia had attacked Poland, according to NATO's principle of collective defence, that's an attack on all of NATO and there would have to be retaliation. And that opens up the prospect of World War III. And there are some people on Twitter who really seem to be one that, uh, there's another person I follow, Michael McFall in the States, and he just, he, he chills me out. Um, his, his desire for war seems astonishing. Because the truth is that as NATO's Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said, there was an investigation underway. We have no indication that this is a deliberate attack. We have no indication that Russia is preparing offensive military actions against NATO and that this was most likely caused by Ukrainian air missile defense, uh, missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. This was a Ukrainian missile, apparently, that went astray. None of that. You know, people, unfortunately, this is what people do. They say, oh, you're supporting Russia when you say that. No, we have to learn to think for ourselves. We have to learn to question things. And that's what I'm trying to do with this with this podcast. So having said all that, let's come on to this week's theme. And perhaps this song explains it best. The best thing in our life is free, but you can give it to the birds and bees. I need some money, need some money, oh yeah, what I want. Your love give me such a thrill, but your love don't pay my bills, I need money. Need some money, oh yeah, what I want. I need some money, honey. I need some money right away. I need some money so bad. I need some money, oh yeah, what I want. John Lee Hooker, Money. Uh, some of you will know the Beatles version and there are many other versions of that song, but I really do like John Lee Hooker's version. Now, money is an extremely important subject. Jesus had far more to say about money and wealth and poverty than he did about sex. Think about that for a moment. I also um, was thinking about this a lot because of the crypto scam. Now, this is a huge story and it's a really important story. Uh, if you don't know it, Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder of FTX, a crypto company, which was the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, uh, has now gone bankrupt and he is facing prison time for allegedly defrauding his customers of billions of dollars. Not millions, but billions. Now, here's the interesting thing. Bankman-Fried 
was a hero of altruism. He donated to many progressive causes, including, by the way, apparently, the uh, Michigan abortion referendum. Millions to it. And incidentally, FTX was heavily invested in by Ukraine, who were being given billions by the US, and FTX in turn supported the Democrats. So in effect, the US government was giving billions to Ukraine, who were giving billions or millions to this uh, firm, who were then giving it back to the Democrats. See, I think that's corruption. But anyway... He spoke at the World Economic Forum's Davos conference last May, the Clinton Foundation's Clinton Global Initiative in September. Um, he uses philanthropic giving to justify a lot of what he does. Bankman Fried said, I only want to get rich so that I can give money to charity, despite himself having a $40 million uh, home in the Bahamas. And the media bought into this. The investigators, you know, you think if you're going to a $40 million home in the Bahamas to interview someone, you might look around and go, is this really giving money to charity and to the poor? But apparently not. When a Vox reporter asked him about this, he responded, yeah, I feel bad for those who get beeped by it. By this dumb game, we we woke Westerners play where we can say all the right shibboleths so everyone likes us. So here we have something I've been banging on about for ages. Wealthy billionaires saying the right woke things and therefore they can get away with whatever they want. It's a huge story. And here's the other thing about this, what's called this gang of kids who ran this. And you're, you're talking billions and billions and many people have been ruined by it. It's a 32 billion US dollar disaster. Now, this 10-person sexual polycule, it's called, in, in this luxury Bahamas penthouse, it's, it's largely, you know, it's young people who, um, there's allegations of amphetamine use and so on. There's 130 affiliated entities that have collapsed with that, including the trading firm Almeida Research. Now, please listen to this. Listen to, this was the CEO of Almeida Research. Oh, I don't know. This whole thing seems like weird. And it, aren't there risk, risks? And like, what if these platforms get hacked? And like, it's like such a huge pain operationally uh, and, you know, accounting wise and all of that. I lost that argument, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now very glad that whole summer for me, a lot of it was just about sort of, uh, yeah, re readjusting my expectations and, uh, <laughs> being open to whatever happened I, I think like every week or so uh something like weirder than the previous week would happen uh and I was like okay I was like great gonna like go out and look for like whatever like the weirdest dumbest thing people are talking about today and like that's gonna be the thing I'm working on today I'm sorry but she just sounds like a silly schoolgirl or student but she had billions of dollars I mean, this was a, a woman who admitted to using amphetamines, Stanford mathematics graduate, part of these elites that we keep talking about. This is Caroline Ellison, by the way. And she's in charge of just of these billions. And apparently they were all um, sleeping together and everything and very poly, was it, what do they call it? Polyamorous or polygamous. Now, where all this comes in is what 
I want to call Narratus of Virtue. Here's a, I think he sounds Scottish to me, James Melville, um, who, what I know him from is reporting on Al Jazeera. Listen to him just for a second. If you look at, for instance, um, the top 10 richest people in the world have doubled their wealth over the pandemic. But 99% have seen a decrease in wealth in real terms. And the auspice of virtue keeps coming up, whether it's stay safe, it's for your security, it's for your own good. Now, there's a number of lessons of history that we know, and one of them is about virtue Mm. and about authoritarianism using virtue under the auspices of staying safe. And people have gone along with this. And I'm staggered as someone who sits on the left of centre, even though a lot Mm. of people will say now that Mm. actually I'm some sort of far-right conspiracy theorist, which I'm not. My views are fundamentally the same. Most people are looking at this from the left and they're getting hoodwinked by governments, by technocrats and by a lot of the media into following this narrative. I mean, if someone had said on the left 20 years ago that somehow they would slavishly be supporting aspects of our big media, billionaires and also big pharma, what has happened to the left in all of this? So I see it very much as the left has left me, but I'm still left on the left. And I think we're in a situation where people are being bamboozled. I think uh. it was Carl Sagan said the art of the bamboozle uh. to get people on site. And so people are not really sure what is right and what is wrong. But the one thing they are following is narratives of virtue. Right. It's not. If you look at, for instance, the Great Reset, I mean, that's mm. something that if you say the Great Reset, you're smeared as being a conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist as well. The Great Reset... Even, even though Klaus Schwab actually stands up at the G20 and announces it. Yeah, and Bill Gates as well. Mm. But if we go back a few years, they were talking about this. This is mm. not just a random press release. Mm. It's not even smoke and mirrors. It's all out in the open. Mm. And so we need to move from this narrative that people are seen as conspiracy theorists for talking about stuff that's actually a conspiracy agenda. Mm. And it's under the auspices of virtue to get people on site, to do good, to be mm. a good person. But actually what we need to do is take a step back from that and realise that it's a massive asset grab. It is extraordinary. He talks about the biggest transfer of wealth. He talks about virtue smoke screens. He talks about being a, a giant contract. And that's personally what I've come to believe. I've come to believe that things like, it's always been the case that war to some extent is like that. But now we've got it with plague, with COVID. One Pfizer director was saying, this is just a license to print money. I, I think it is, it is extraordinary that the 10 wealthiest people in the world have doubled their wealth because of COVID. What I loved about the James Melville thing, when he talks about narratives of virtue, these people are saying, oh, you've got to give us this power. You've got to, because we're going to save people. You know, this is how we do it. And our politicians and our media have just bought into that. And if you don't buy into it, well, wow, you're some kind of conspiracy theorist. And then here is Prof. Jeffrey Sachs. I also found this amazing. Listen to this. Rich countries just borrowed $17 trillion for COVID. The poor countries, nothing. Because the rich countries can borrow at zero. And the poor countries pay 5 or 10% coupon rates or have no access at all. So the world exposed its grotesque inequality this past year and a half. Rich countries didn't say, we tighten our belts, why don't you? My country 
spent $7 trillion of emergency funding, not one penny for anybody else, by the way, $7 trillion, it didn't even cross the imagination of the U.S. Congress to include a few crumbs for the rest of the world. But the poor countries cannot borrow. That's what we should have heard from the World Bank. I didn't hear that from the World Bank. $17 trillion, not million, not billion, but trillion, spent on ourselves in the West. In the U.S., $7 trillion. And it was a statement that he made that really struck me. Nothing for the poor. So I found this in Scotland. I think it's the same here in Australia and doubtless the same in the US. If you want to borrow money and you're poor, it's going to cost you a whole lot more. But if you're wealthy, it's almost like you get given money. The US spent $7 trillion on itself for COVID. Nothing. Nothing for poorer countries. The poor countries cannot borrow. Rich countries can borrow at virtually zero. I'm sorry, but I do think Christ would have an awful lot to say about that. Okay, here's one of my favourite songs. Um, This is Christy Moore, Ordinary Man. Um, Again, I would recommend you listen to the whole thing. It tells the story extremely well, but you'll get the gist of it from this. I'm an ordinary man, nothing special, nothing grand. I had to work for everything I owned. I never asked for a lot, I was happy with what I got. Enough to keep my family in my home. They said the times are hard, and they handed me my cards. They said there's not the work to go around. When the whistle blows, the guests will find the little lows. Tonight they're gonna shut this factory down. Then they'll tear it down. I never missed a day, never went on strike for better pay. For twenty years I served the best I could. Now with a handshake and a check, it seems easy to forget. Loyalty to the bad times and the good The owner says he's sad To see that things have got so bad But the captains of industry won't let him lose He still smokes his cigar And he drives a brand new car Still he takes his family on a cruise It seems to me a cruel irony He's richer now than ever he was before And now me check is spent I can't afford the rent There's one love for the rich One love for the poor Every day I try to salvage Some of me pride To find some workers I might pay my way Right, let's move on to climate change I, I Substack, I, I don't like subscribing or paying for articles. Um, if you get my articles, I don't make you pay for them because it's not worth paying for, but um, you can go onto the website and get them or you can go on to the, the Weefly website or the Ass website. But uh, there are two people I do pay. One is 
Ian McWhorter from Scotland, and the other is uh, Michael Schellenberger. I think actually Ian might be free, if I remember rightly. But anyway, they're the two I subscribe to on Substack. And I'm, I'm, I think Michael Schellenberger is really good value for money. And he talks about this same issue. And his expertise does tend to be in uh, climate. And he talks about how it has also been used to transfer wealth from the poor and the middle class to the very wealthy. He says this, few carbon offsets actually reduce carbon emissions. Many are scams. Some pay landowners to not cut down trees they were never going to cut down anyway. Others pay renewable energy developers who are already going to build wind and solar projects. Most solar panels and electric car batteries are made in Xinjiang, China by incarcerated Uyghur Muslims. This was the one I didn't know this. Solar projects require three to 600 times more land than nuclear or natural gas plants and are devastating fragile desert environments. And there is no waste disposal solution for, solution for used solar panels, a hazardous waste, which means they'll be sent to landfills or guess what? They will be dumped on poorer nations. The whole thing has been perverted. And as a result, this is what happens. This is how the poor are affected. Here's our old friend Jordan Peterson. All of that insanity on the energy front appears to me to be driven, and the Conservatives are responsible for this in large part, by these appallingly uh, moralistic, say, net zero policies that have as one of their immediate consequences the, um, the impoverishment of those who are already struggling. And so it looks to me that the left is perfectly willing to sacrifice the poor which are hypothetically the people that they are standing for in order to, well, let's say, to not save the planet. We're going to get the best, we're going to get the worst of both worlds, say. We're going to throw a couple of billion people into poverty, including a bunch of people in Europe. We're going to make the environmental crisis such as it is much, much worse. I've thought for 15 years that we were living in the, in the uh, fantasy of a delusional 13-year-old girl. And that was long before Greta Thunberg hit the press. And to see world leaders kowtow to her as if she's an oracle is something quite stunning to behold. There's something truly archetypal about that, that, that worship of, of something like oracular feminine innocence. It's, it's something like that. And it really, is, it really is a form of delusional insanity. Now, in the UK this week, we've had the horrific story of a boy who died because of damp. And I think there's going to be much more of that. What amazed me a little bit was you get politicians like Caroline Lucas and others saying, you know, this is absolutely terrible and the government ought to do something. But she is not without blame. She's a green leader because it's the insane policy of net zero, as Peterson points out which is going to cause so much death and devastation. Incidentally, in the UK, uh, inflation has accelerated to a 41-year high of 11.1%. And guess who suffers most in that? You're again, the poor. Otmar Edenhofer, the co-chair of the IPCC Working Group, said this, Climate policy has almost nothing to do anymore with environmental protection. He's a German economist. He's an IPC official. The next World Climate Summit in Cancun is actually an economy summit during which the distribution of the world's resources will be negotiated. This is all about wealth redistribution, and it's not from the rich to the poor. That's not what was happening. 
This is about the wealthier becoming wealthier. Think about it this way. At the G20, sorry, not that I, mean, I wasn't thinking the climate change subject su- summit, but the G20, where they're obviously talking about climate change and other things. It's the 20th, meant to be the 20th wealthy nations in the world. It's meant to be governments. Why are Klaus Schwab of the WEF and Bill Gates at a gathering of political leaders? Who elected them? Nobody. Or think here of another extraordinary thing, and again, I think this is Schellenberger who points this out. Africa has vast reserves of natural gas, and countries like Senegal have been lobbying for special treatment. The UN climate envoy, Mary Robinson, or the former one, from Ireland, has said that African states should be permitted to develop their gas fields, and so they should, because nearly a billion Africans still use wood or oil for cooking, which causes way more harm to the climate. And here's a question that Schellenberger asks, why should African countries like Mozambique leave their citizens in poverty when they are sitting on vast natural wealth? And by the way, here in Australia we have vast natural wealth, and yet people are going to be poorer because of green policies. Of course, not the very wealthy. They'll be fine. And it's the same in Scotland. There's vast wealth, natural wealth in Scotland. But people will die this winter because they can't afford to heat their homes. Okay, let's uh, move on. I was going to say... This sounds a bit apocalyptic. It's a very good. It's a very good song. But do you do you recognise this? The ice is coming, the sun's zooming in Meltdown expected, the wheat is going in Engines stop running, but I have no fear Cause London is drowning I live by the river To the imitation zone That's The Clash, London Calling, their guitarist Keith Levine, who founded The Clash, or is one of founding member, and also uh, another amazing band actually called Public Image Limited, and he's died at the age of 65. He died from um, liver cancer. Uh, That song, London Calling, by the way, the ice age is coming, the sun zooming in. This is in the 1980s. This is what we were warned was happening, not global warming, but ice age, which didn't turn up, never mind. Engines stop running, the wheat is growing thin, a nuclear era, but I have no fear because London is drowning. I, I live by the river. Um, you know what they said? Well, some of it was true. Yeah, but a lot of it wasn't. We'll miss the clash. Uh, interesting with Twitter, we're following on that. Cadbury's, this is, so this is tied in with the wealth thing as well. These corporations think that they can control everything and they tell us, uh, what we are to believe, and they use advertising to control people. So Cadbury's Nissan and Guinness Brewer Diageo have been told to avoid dangerous and toxic Twitter by their marketing agency. Now, it's funny. How did Twitter suddenly become toxic because Elon Musk took over? It was toxic long before then. But 
this boycott, Volkswagen, Pfizer, Cheerios maker, General Mills, they've all halted campaigns on Twitter. As I say, the corporations who've got the money want to control the media as well. When I get older, I will be stronger. They'll call me freedom, just like a waving flag. When I get older, I will be stronger. They'll call me freedom, just like a waving flag. And then it goes back, and then it goes back, and then it goes back. Born to a throne, stronger than Rome, but violent prone, poor people's own, but it's my own, all I have known, where I got grown, streets we would roam, out of the darkness, I came the farthest, among the hardest survival, learn from these streets, it can be bleak, accept no defeat, surrender, retreat. Let's do a little bit of sport, um, the Qatari World Cup is about to start. Now, of course, the fact that it's been held in Qatar at all is uh, an interesting uh, controversy, not least, but it's been held there because of the money. They can afford it. But um, we have sports players who are saying, oh, they don't like their LGBT policies. Now, it's interesting. I've not heard a sports player saying they don't like their anti-Christian policies. What do you think happens to a Muslim in Qatar who converts from Islam to Christianity? Just out of curiosity. But, of course, not a word about that. And what do our sports players do? Why? They make statements. Um, England's World Cup squad set off on a plane which had a rainbow on it. Um, By the way, the report on this said, uh, I think it was GB News, said the rainbow is the symbol of LGBT plus pride. No, it's not. The rainbow is God's symbol that he will not destroy the earth by a flood again. It's a symbol of God's covenant. With Noah, it's a symbol of God's mercy. But why would we expect them to know that? But speaking of the World Cup, I I did uh, love this. This is, I I actually don't know his name. Um, He's just a a Welshman on a British TV show and he was asked to give a rally call to Wales. Just listen to this. You will love it. I hear the voices singing. Speed your journey, boys, boys, Bach. One nation singing with one voice. A song of hope, a song of courage, a victory song that floats through the valleys like a red mist, rolls over the mountaintops like crimson thunder. A red storm is coming to the gates of Qatar. It crackles with the spirit of 58 and Jimmy Murphy's boys. It turns the pages of the history books and finds Rob's page waiting still to be written. What would you write in there, boys? Dare you write your names on that page? We haven't waited 64 years and come halfway around the world to be troubled by a neighbour from back home. When the English come knocking on our door, let's give them some sugar, boys! Let's give them some Welsh sugar! They've always said we're too small, we're too slow, we're too weak, too full of fear. But Amarohid, you sons of speed, as they fall around us, we are still here! Yeah! Come on, world! And uh, 
as well Wales. I'm just thinking I'll probably support Wales. I'm not sure if the Dutch are in the World Cup. I must find that out because I normally support the Dutch. Of course, Scotland aren't there. You know, we 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 deliberately lost because we don't want to go and support Qatar. Yeah. There's so much more we could say on this subject of virtue signalling. Is that what we call it? No, I'm calling it the narratives of virtue. We could we could say an awful lot more about that, but I'm not going to. I mean, because there are other issues that are involved and we'll come back to them and I've often spoken about them. But money is used, money is the key factor in prostitution, of course, isn't it? It's the key factor in sex trafficking. It's the key factor in wombs for hire. It's a key factor in euthanasia. It's a key factor in abortion. I was just horrified to see Chelsea Clinton saying that abortion, if you don't support abortion, you don't support democracy. Here we go again. By the way, just on the abortion thing, again, not so much in terms of the politics, but simply this. I am so thankful that that Congress in the United States did not go to the Democrats, because if it had done with the Senate and with Biden, we would have ended up with a uh, coding of Roe v. Wade and millions more would have died. So I'm thankful for that. If you want to support Quantum, then go on to the Podbean fundraiser. Um, You got any comments, please feel free to pass them on. Uh, Ask.org.au. I got it wrong last time. That's our uh, website. Thanks to Peter, our producer. I'm going to leave you with, uh, I, I, I found this song that it's got nothing to do with money, except this, I don't think there's any money in heaven. It is a song by the Spooky Men's Chorale, which is a group of Australian male singers, most in the Blue Mountains, where my wonderful daughter and son-in-law and two granddaughters live. Beautiful place. Some are from Western Australia. Um, it's Stephen Taberner is the, the kind of key guy with it. They base a lot of it on Gregorian music, which I think is wonderful. And this this song is Tennyson's poem. And I just love the imagery, the, the words, For though from out are born of time and place, the flood may bear me far, I hope to see my pilot face to face when I have crossed the bar. The song is crossed the bar. I'm looking forward to that, to be honest. Really looking forward to it. See you next week. Bye. So-